I think the overall goal with what everything we're working on with Neva and with Detour and with Midtopia is how can we make this more sustainable? How can we make it more equitable? How can we lessen the exploitation and make it accessible for those who want to participate, which ties a self-esteem issue? We think we're this like terribly boring place with nothing to do and nobody to talk to. And I think that is true if a person decides to sit on their couch and stare at a screen all day. Then yeah, exactly. That's the experience you're going to have. But if you go out there and you explore and you meet new people, it's an incredibly exciting hidden gem. I'm going to Wichita. I'm just a boy from Kansas. Welcome back to another episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. My name is Landon. Today's guest is Jesse Hartke. Jesse is an independent music advocate and entrepreneur. Jesse and her husband Adam own Hartke Presents, Detour, The Wave Venue, their part owners in the Cotillion, and most recently, Midtopia. We talk all about the music industry in general in Wichita and how Midtopia is setting out to change the way things are done. Enjoy my conversation with Jesse Hartke. All right, we are here with Jesse Hartke. How are you doing, Jesse? I'm great. How are you today? Doing well. Um, Adam could make it. You guys are a little bit busy, I think. So uh, yeah, we were actually triple booked at one o'clock. So yeah. all right. <laughs> well, here we are. I'm glad we could talk at least. Yeah. Um, so could you just tell us a little bit about you? Are you from Wichita? Tell us a little bit of your background. Yep, I am from the outskirts of Wichita. I had planned to spend my life within the realm of classical side of music. I'm a mm. classically trained flautist. Um, decided to take some side rail, uh, side roads throughout mm-hmm. the years. And I've currently ended up as I think the term I've used most recently is an independent music advocate. I love it. No, I love that. Um, okay. So I want to start kind of towards the beginning of Heart Key Presents stuff. So start yeah. me back then, 2009-ish. Yeah. To, in, a, in 2009, um, spring of 2009, Adam and I met and within a few weeks of meeting each other, we quickly began promoting shows together. So our relationship is a really interesting balance of business, music advocacy, and then all the personal stuff as well. For sure. That's super interesting. Super intertwined. Yes. Your work goes home with you. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, There is no escaping it. Most pillow talk has to do with various business ventures. Oh yeah, no, I, I get that. My wife and I do Wichita Life. And so awesome. that's a lot of it as well, especially since I've got a day, actual day job. So it's <laughs> like our free time usually ends up talking about that kind of stuff. Yep. So I get that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the um, some of the stuff you did early, early on? So like First Friday, that kind of thing. So I think people are familiar with Final Friday being kind of the art gallery type stuff. But this was like a kind of a different take on that. Correct. Yes. In 2009, we launched First Friday, a part of something that at that point was called Rock ICT. It was really um, like community activation around live music. So at that point, there were not many outlets for local bands to mm-hmm. have a lot of um, ways to create a larger audience base sure. within Wichita. You know, we had a lot of places that would have cover bands, you'd have the larger touring acts coming through it, like the cotillion and such like, but there weren't a lot of smaller clubs that were really geared towards live music, mm-hmm. um, live original music. And so that was our intention with um, First Fridays, getting more eyes and ears onto the amazing music that happens on a smaller level, you know, bands that can draw yeah. like, you know, 200, 
or less. Sure. So there's so much beautiful content that's created there that historically our our market has not seen or appreciated, mm-hmm. and that's always been guiding what we do is how to get how to get more um, resources to those smaller acts. For sure. And I think it's interesting, like 2009, 2010, that wasn't that long ago, but it was also like forever ago. Yeah. So it's weird to think about like, I mean, just the rise of social media. Like I don't even, I don't know if Instagram was even around back nope. then, but it's like, and TikTok obviously wasn't around, which is huge for music now. Yeah. But it's interesting to see like, yeah, there's so many more options now, but you were kind of on the forefront, I guess, of helping provide for some of those smaller acts. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, yeah, it does feel like a lifetime ago. It was pre-social media, pre-smartphones. So it was a very different experience um, trying to get eyes and ears on those acts. But it's still the same. Um, Whereas social media is a new outlet for artists, it doesn't really provide them with as much of a sustainable platform as is generally attributed to, right? There's not much financial reward for that. Like how many thousands of streams does one have to get to equate to a dollar? Right, for Um, sure. I, th- I heard something the other day. Um, it was talking about like streaming versus CDs. And I think it was like to s- you sell one CD, I don't know, you'd get a few dollars or whatever the artist would um, compared to the label or however it works. Um, but now streaming, it's like you have to get like, I don't know, 10,000 or 50,000 streams to equal one CD sale or Correct. something Correct. Like yeah. I actually, my brain refuses to remember the exact number yeah, because yeah. it's so depressing. Yeah. And um, those, those DSPs are constantly changing the algorithms for payouts. And there was recently a change that for those artists who have, I believe it's um, 5,000 monthly listeners and less, they're going to get a smaller payout, mm-hmm. whereas they are bumping it up to the larger artists. Which is funny. You think you'd be like, okay, let's help the smaller guy. Absolutely know. not. so funny. Yeah. That is why it's, I'm an independent music advocate, right, exactly. because there is very little attention paid to the emerging artists, right. which is going to be at a huge detriment to the overall ecosystem in the long run. Sure, sure. Um, and we'll definitely talk more about that. Um, next, I kind of want to talk about uh, Wave, Cotillion. Talk about that side of the venue side of things. Yeah. So, um, you know, 2009, we started First Friday. We started, you know, promoting some shows. We did that for the next few years, growing to larger and larger audiences. Um, and then in 2018, a uh, pretty big year for us, um, in March of 2018, we were able to... Um, purchased the cotillion with a few other entities. Mm -hmm. And then in September of that year, we also opened wave. Wow. So yeah, we had, we had a busy year. Um, pretty fun. (laughs) So was one of those planned first and then the other one came about, like, were you planning to build wave and then the opportunity to buy into the cotillion? Um, we had been working on the cotillion deal for a number of years and it looked like it wasn't going to move forward. Sure. So then we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to start, um, wave and, but then simultaneously, then it did turn out, out that we were able to purchase. What's interesting is I think some people would probably look at it like, okay, you're competing with yourself almost, but really it's, it's not a zero sum game. Like it's no. just, it's just bigger for everyone then, which is better. Exactly. That's something that we really try to abide by with all of our business practices is, you know, we aren't competing like by in an entity such as Wave or Cotillion or any other independent music venue, you can't look at those others as competition because there's enough competition with the larger multinationals. So we have to be able to band together and combine our resources. Yeah. Um, And I think I wrote down a couple numbers, but uh, Wave holds like 569 inside. I listened to an interview from like a Mm -hmm. year and a half ago. Um, 4,000 outside. What does the cotillion hold? About 2,000. 2,000. Okay. So how, like if you're reaching out to book somebody or they're Mm -hmm. reaching out to you, 
how do you know who to place where? Because they're like similarly-ish sized. Well, and it is, you know, those are actually really great rooms to have within because you can grow an artist, right? So you have somebody that starts out that in that 500 capacity room. Once they sell that out, move them over to the cotillion. Once they sell that out, come back over to wave outside. And it is, um, it can get to be a hairy process, especially um, agents will try to um, get the best number possible. So a lot of times we've had issues with an agent reaching out to people you know, that work at each individual entity trying to get sure. more money out of the situation. Against, yeah, yeah, one another. Yeah, it's funny. Well, it works out yeah. that you're kind of involved with both then. Yeah, so, well, yeah. and actually, um, just in this last month, we launched a new business venture called Venunity. Okay. Um, so, and that's going to be taking over operations of both entities to Very ensure cool. that, you know, as I stated a moment ago, we can't view each other as competition. Right. We have to be able to combine our resources yeah. to be able to withstand the large corporate entities that are trying to take over yeah, the whole sure. industry. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I think they're similar ish size, like in the same ballpark, but mm-hmm. they're very, very different. Like Cotillion, mm-hmm. you can feel the history in there. Yeah. Like it's very cool. The round, there's like so many amazing acts that have played there. Yes. And then Wave already had amazing acts in the first five years or mm-hmm. so, but it's like just way different. It's yeah. super cool. We're different vibes, yeah. you know, and that's to provide our city with, you know, different different approaches right yeah. we every what i love about independent music venues is they all have their own personality they're all so unique yeah and so it's so amazing to be able to help bolster that within our community as well for sure absolutely it's cool too because I, I was listening to a podcast um with an artist that i'll probably bring up later but um it's interesting the kind of game the artists have to play like <laughs> you have to work your way up you're like playing the dive bar yep. and then work your way up to the 500 person like you said and you kind of like got to work your way up and it's usually very slowly for people, but some people can kind of shoot up, but it's, it's super interesting to think about that. Yeah. It's, and especially at this point in history, it's a very hard game to play. Um, which again is what we're working towards creating new pathways for that. Um, but it, it is just like any other job, right? You got to climb the ladder. Mm -hmm. That's just the way the artists, the ladder for artists. The most recent one that comes to mind is like Zach Bryan just sold out interest bank arena and set the record there. And it's like, somebody sent me a DM that he was at the cotillion show yeah. Four years ago, yep. or whenever that he was. He blew up. That's a very that unusual. That was like a hockey stick. Crazy. Very unusual trajectory. Um, so more power to him. But, but yeah, it, it, you don't see that terribly often. Sure. It is, it is cool to see, though. Like, we kind of captured him early, right? You kind of yeah. caught it and then on the way yeah. up. And it's like, I don't know if he'll be back to Wichita. You know, he might be doing like the Luke Combs, like Ed Sheeran only mm-hmm. stadium tour next time or something. Yep. But super cool that we at least had the chance. Yep. So Yeah. Very cool. Um, so talk a little bit about Detour. So Detour launched in 2021 out. It was born out of relationships that we formed in 2020. Um, so in 2020, when everything shuttered, yes. we were lucky enough to be a part of um, NEVA, the National Independent Venue Association. Mm-hmm. And as that is a trade organization that we were able to do amazing things with, you know, we formed in April of 2020. And by December of that year, we had the largest arts funding investment ever made by the United States amazing, government. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was that was one of the most amazing things that I've been able to be a part of. But as that is a trade organization, there are limitations as to what those relationships right. can bring to fruition. So we took a number of the relationships we formed within that and made, created Detour. Um, so it's just, uh, there were nine founding members mm-hmm. from across the United States. And we work together to just give independent venues a bigger voice at the table. So as I alluded to earlier, you know, it is, we are being dominated um, by multinational corporations that um, 
take over over 90% of the market share across sure. the country. So how do we how do we create a larger voice for those of us who are still independent? And that's that's the goal of Detour. Right, right. That makes sense. That's really cool. Um, so 2020 pandemic was obviously a very hard year. Just a couple of years after you kind of started Wave and doing all uh, that. Like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It so was that's, awful. That's wild. So <laughs> luckily or not luckily, you guys worked for it, but like there was able to be some funding, but like what did March or April through that year look like? Obviously you couldn't have shows. It was so like, awful. What did it, what did your day do? Was it lobbying a lot of time? What lobbying. did you do day to day? All day, every day. Um, for the first few months, it was trying, you know, to get documents put together looking for um, any kind of information that yeah. we could utilize, you know, something that there was a, the Chicago had done a study in 2019, thankfully, that detailed that for every dollar spent on a concert ticket, there's $12 in ancillary revenue across wow. the board, right? So, and we're not talking about like within the venue, we're talking about within the community. So yeah. on hotels, coffee shops, sure. uh, retail. So, you know, we spent the first couple of months just gathering our re resources, um, hiring a lobbyist. Um, I never thought I'd be the person who would be absolutely in love with a lobbyist, but I am. <laughs> There's a number of amazing humans who do really great work yeah, in that realm. Out, yeah. yeah. Um, so we found a lobbyist. Um, by the time we hit um, early summer, we had a letter signed. Um, we had one letter by, signed by artists with like Dave Grohl, um, wow, you know, yeah. just Jerry Seinfeld, a number of like artists I never thought that would, you know, care at all about yeah. what I was working on. So I signed a letter that then went to Congress and the Senate. And then we had a letter that um, the politician signed. By July, we had our own standalone bill that independent venues did, uh, which was totally unheard of. People were saying, oh, well, the only, the only industries that can get standalone bills are the airlines. Yeah. And that's true. It's the airlines and independent venues. Wow. So um, yeah, we were incredibly lucky. Um, spent the next few months on the phone with elected officials, <laughs> which is again, another thing I never thought would yeah, happen. Not exactly what you think you're getting into when you get into the music industry. No, so. not at all. Um, you know, crafting bill language that yeah. would later become the Shuttered Venues Organizers Grant. Um, and so it was an incredibly amazing um, experience. We were lucky enough that by November of that year, um, Kansas was one of the first states to give grants mm -hmm. to their independent venues. And so that really helped sustain us. Um, in December, we got our federal bill passed um, just due to the issues of, you know, the government inherently works yeah. at its own pace. So we, slowly, yeah, yeah, so slowly. So fortunately, we got that money from the state of Kansas, but then um, we got our national grant in June okay. of Great. 2021. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm very glad you guys survived it because I know there's probably a lot Me of places too. that didn't. So that's no. really cool. Yeah. No, and it is still, it's still a very hard, um, you know, we, we all thought we'd get through the pandemic and it would be a whole new world and that would be easier. And it is a whole new world. Yeah. It is absolutely not easier. Yeah. Um, a lot of entities took the time that COVID provided as um, a pause and utilized that to strengthen their efforts to snuff out independent venues. Mm. So. Well, we're still here. We're, we're still, still here. here. Yeah. Still, yeah, Love we're to hear it. Yeah, when we're still, you know, we're still fighting hard. Um, you know, working on a multitude of levels. You know, with yeah. Detour, uh, we're still working um, with our lobbyists to help really create sustainable change. Mm -hmm. But when were you able to like open back up? We opened up in June of 2021. Okay, cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, how do you balance like when you're bringing in artists? Is that a lot? Is that like your for whatever the Cotillion Wave team? doing outreach 
or a lot more like inbound, like this act's going on tour and they're looking for places to play? How does that process Yeah, work? it's a little bit of both. Generally, you know, if, if we see, if we think somebody's about to go out on tour, then yeah. we'll send out some feelers. Yeah. But generally it is an agent will know that, you know, a band they work with is yeah. planning a tour, so they'll do outreach. And then we negotiate. And mm-hmm. if, you know, we can find a number that we both agree on, then we move forward. Very cool. Um, so indie music in general. Talk a little bit about indie music. How does Wichita fit into that? How is the music scene here? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, it's 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 a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a thing. I have very mixed emotions about. Historically, um, you know, we've always had an amazing scene, um, but it's traditionally been very underground, very mm-hmm. under resourced, but incredibly creative, incredibly productive. We've been lucky enough to have a number of um, moments within our city that really have helped propel the overall music scene, mm-hmm. right? Like um, in the 19, oh, it was the 1931-ish. Um, we had the first performance of an electric guitar yes, within yeah, our yeah, city, yeah. right? It's still there. We still have it um, accessible at the Sedgwick County Historical Museum. Um, in the early uh 40s, Charlie Parker had his first, rec- made his first recording over what's now the Farmers and Bakers building. Wow. Right? And those are things that we generally aren't aware of. Right. But it's so, those moments were so incredibly important to the overall music history of our country. Um, we also have artists like Rudy Love Sr., mm-hmm. who, you know, the Love family have done so much work for not only the Wichita music scene, but also, you know, his work um, with artists, uh, you know, with like Sly and the Family Stone um, has done, he did amazing work that's also propelled the music industry. But as I was saying, most of what we have locally has historically not necessarily been on everyone's radar within our market. We've been incredibly under-resourced, but um, super productive, super amazing scene. One of the benefits that I think we have had being sort of neglected by attention is that our artists are allowed to create what they truly feel driven to create. Yeah. They're they're not worried about, you know, getting the attention of an agent or a right. manager. They're going to create music because that what that's what they feel in their soul. Um yeah. so that is one of the benefits. But I do think we are um in a moment of incredible growth within our musical scene. Um, you know, we've got great venues, we've got a couple of good studios within our um community. And we're starting to get some really amazing attention. Yeah. So I, I think we're about to see a decade of incredible growth. <clears throat> I love that. Um, does the attention come from those local acts that are able to go on tour? Or is it just kind of the power of the internet? How are the, How is most of the attention? Yeah, going? I mean, some some is garnered, you know, online, socials. Um, well, we can get a lot of like short-term attention. It's generally a blip. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's just, spike, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's not really a sustainable form of creating, you know, eyes on a scene or a band. Sure. So, yeah, it's a lot of like people going, getting out of this town and playing yeah. stages across the country. Um, you know, we've got, um, you know, just within Metopia, we have three bands going out on tour in the yeah. next month. Very cool. Yeah. Right now, um, as of like right now, <laughs> like Rudy Love and the Encore go, heading out to Seattle this afternoon to go play a festival out there, Black and Loud Fest. Um, yeah. yeah, so they're going to create great networking there. Um, Social Cinema is about to go on a great support tour in November out yeah. west. Um, so we just, we've got a lot of great opportunities coming up for artists in our community yeah. to really help like proselytize what Wichita can do. For sure. Uh, anecdotal story. My brother, uh, he went to Missouri State. He played football out there. Awesome. But they would go to, I mean, local dive bars or whatever and have a drink or two and listen to live music. And he's like, 
I was just listening to this band from Wichita, um, and then it was Pretend Friend. Oh, awesome. And so he's like, I love them. And so he's actually moving back in about a year after, or, or from med school. But awesome. uh, he was just talking about how much he loves them. And it was like, they happened, he happened to be at this bar in Springfield. Now he like listens to them on Spotify and like can't wait to move back so he can watch them more often. And so. Yeah, exactly. We have, you know, not only artists that really permeate the overall music industry, but like just music workers. Yeah. We have so many people that are from Wichita. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Blackbird Studios out in Nashville. It's one of like the leading studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, yeah it's John McBride. He's from Wichita. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. Yep. That's very From cool. Wichita started his career here. Um, used to do sound out at the Cotillion. Wow. Um, yeah. That's now, so cool. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting, fast forward, especially after this kind of decade of growth that you mentioned, like I'm sure there will be a lot of people that end up leaving Wichita mm-hmm. at some point. But like all of the roots, it'll be interesting to see how everything's intertwined. And it's like, yep. I knew so-and-so 15 years ago yeah. in Wichita. Now they're big time or whatever it is. And it's going to be cool to see. Exactly. Yeah. And the, our goal is how can we create it in a way that people can stay here? How can yeah, we create sure. resources just due to, you know, one of one of the silver linings of COVID is not everyone has to be in those large major markets, mm-hmm. you know, to facilitate whatever it takes yeah. for growth. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, I have a kind of a two-part question, but how do you balance bringing in like the big artists, which a couple just name dropping a couple that have been to like wave Somewhat mm-hmm. recently, Snoop, Wu-Tang Clan, Dropkick Murphys, Jelly Roll, et cetera, Sugar Hill Gang, Incubus is, I think, coming up. Um, or was there those, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you balance those with, like, promoting the small artists? And then also kind of touch on, I've heard you talk about kind of importing versus exporting music. Yes. So, I just, so um, you know, those bigger artists, those are the ones that pay the bills. Yeah. Um, the realm of live music, it's, you know, people tend to think that it's very profitable and it is, we gross a good amount of money, but yeah. it's also, we have a lot of expenses. Sure. And so it's, it's really what can we afford to promote on the smaller level Yeah. to really balance out those bigger, you know, what we can bring in revenue rise on the bigger shows. Like I alluded to earlier, we have to focus on those smaller acts because if you, you need to have a sustainable pipeline, you right. can't only focus on those bands that have already blown up mm-hmm. because they'll age out at some point. And right. so how do we continue to foster growth to get band, newer bands up to that same level? That makes sense. Um, kind of all of this brings us to Midtopia. Yeah. What What is Midtopia? Where did the idea come from? Tell us a little about that. So Midtopia is something that um, Adam and I, along with a number of other people within the music scene, Rudy Love Jr., has been very influential. Uh, Marquis Nunley, uh, who's our studio manager and also drummer in Mar- uh, Rudy's band, mm-hmm. Um, just a number of people. I'm blanking on the rest of the names, sure, but sure. you know, there's a number of people that we've you know worked with for the last 15 years, and really seen um, the ebbs and flows of our music scene. So as I mentioned, we've never lacked for talent and creativity, but we've always lacked for resources. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see amazing growth within artists, but they aren't able to pay their electric bill. Mm-hmm. And so we see them, you know, dropping out of the music scene, going and getting jobs that, you know, do pay the bills, but doesn't allow time for musical growth. And so that's always been um, gut-wrenching yeah. to see because it doesn't necessarily bring those artists happiness. Sure. And so it's always been our goal to how can how can we create a sustainable pathway for musicians mm-hmm. um, within not only our community, but also nationally, our whole, the entire industry is a hot mess right yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. being honest. Yeah. So how can we create, the goal of Midtopia is how can we create alternative pathways mm-hmm. towards sustainable goals for not only artists, but the music workers and professionals also within the industry. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So breaking that down a little bit, historically, how have artists made money or like what's the biggest chunk, touring versus 
streaming or yeah. CDs, that kind of stuff. Um, and then how, how are you guys, what are the new avenues? What does mm-hmm. that look like? So historically, um, artists could achieve revenue streams, you know, with touring or with sales of albums. Mm-hmm. Merch is always a good option as well. You know, you can get placements within movies and TV shows. Mm. There's always a number of ways to incur income. They're not always as accessible, sure. you know, for everyone and some others. Um, but with the rise of streaming platforms, that has completely killed the ability to create income off of recorded music. Right. And so that's creating issues not only um, for the artist proper, but for a number of music workers within the industry as well. So anybody, you know, if, if whereas recording would be sustaining a large part of the music industry, and recording is still very necessary, right? Like yeah, labels right. are still a big thing. There is much less revenue creation available just mm-hmm. due to, you know, people aren't buying albums as they had right. historically. Sure. People, you know, Spotify, <laughs> Apple Music, Amazon Music, those are all in the moment much easier options as a consumer. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, but, you know, if you're paying, you know, 10 or $12 a month for all of that access, that is a very small <clears throat> amount of income available towards right. a vast, you know, um, there are 60 to 100,000 songs being uploaded to DSPs every day. Um, and it's constantly growing. However, that income is not. So currently, most revenue within the music industry is hinged on touring. Um, so there are more hands in the pot in terms of touring currently, while we're just also seeing um, higher cost of goods, higher um, cost of transportation. Um, so it, it, we're needing to revise the way the whole industry works, not just in Kansas, but across the board. Sure. And, and that's what we're working towards. You know, we're exploring new options. We're doing a lot of experiments. We don't have any one golden ticket at right. this point to how can we rework this? Um, right. But we are hoping, um, you know, we have been lucky enough to be able to infuse some money into these bands to help, you know, sort of give them a jump start. We're really working towards treating music more as a small business, mm-hmm. you know, allowing artists to understand that they need to be in control of their finances sure. and understand how their finances work. And we're hoping that that can help create a more sustainable path forward. For sure. Um, and we'll talk about some of the specifics, but you have a handful of kind of current artists that are under the Midtopia brand. Yeah. So do you give them like enough to cover their living expenses and then whatever dollar amount that is. And then they can hopefully make money on top of that to create a sustainable model or. So we have seen historically, you know, a lot of grants would be given out to artists with no, you know, ramification for how that money was spent necessarily. You know, there'd always be some like some count, some kind of like spreadsheets that would need to be turned in, but not as much accountability as I think would be necessary to Mm -hmm. create sustained growth. You know, we were more of the approach of, you know, we're teaching them to fish instead of just handing yeah, them a fish. That's good, yeah. Yeah. So we are, um, we provide budgets and help them figure out how to navigate those budgets, nice, yeah. but we control the finances. Good, yeah. um, so it's, it's everything is done in theoretically as efficient a way as possible. Sure. That, you know, we, we discuss, you know, how this is how much it costs to record an album. This is how much it costs to go on tour. Yeah. And, it, you know, really give transparency in that. Um, but still allowing them to, you know, not be totally drained financially by the experience. Yeah, for sure. So Midtopia is a nonprofit. Correct. So was there a thought like making it a, I don't, I don't want to say real business because nonprofits are real businesses, but like uh, not nonprofit, <laughs> for-profit versus nonprofit. Was there a thought or was a nonprofit always kind of the way to go? There was a lot of um, 
thought behind the way we um, incorporated this business. Yeah. yeah, and it just made the most sense yeah. um, financially sure. to go this and route. Then, and then where does the funding, is that like government grants? You have private funders? What we, is... have, we have a private funder. We're awesome. incredibly lucky to have um, a team that um, that we all have aligned visions and we're all working towards the same Very cool. Goal. And is that like local, regional? Local, yep. Awesome, very cool. Yeah, we are incredibly yeah. lucky. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, why hasn't something like Midtopia been done before? Or has it? And it worked or failed or um, why hasn't been there? We have, um, you know, we've come in contact with some other incubators mm -hmm. who, you know, are doing some of the things that we are working towards. Um, and we work nationally and internationally um, finding new partners. We have yet to find something that is incredibly similar to what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost reminds me, I listen to a lot of like business podcasts, startup entrepreneur podcasts. Um, it, it's almost yeah, like a startup incubator is what it exactly. like. Is That's kind of exactly triggered. what yeah, it is. It's super interesting, yeah. but for a different industry. So do you have like, I don't know, equity in these artists then as Midtopia or it's not like, a, I don't know how to, you know what I mean? Like if I'm like an incubator for a startup, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to, you build up under our roof mm -hmm. and we get 5% of your company yeah. or something. No, um, we are avoiding that. Yeah. Just due to the historic exploitation yes. of yeah. our industry, um, we're, we're trying to do it in a more sustainable fashion. You know, sure. we're viewing this as um, like a cultural yeah. return on investment. No, I love that. Yeah. As opposed to a financial. That's, that's really cool. I was going to ask because something that comes to mind just thinking about the music uh, industry in general is like Taylor Swift, Scooter Braun stuff. Like it's just a really bad situation. And it's like, how can you make sure something like that doesn't happen. And it seems like you've considered that all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, we are um, doing lot. We always do lots of research um, to ensure we know what paths have been taken previously mm -hmm. and try to avoid those same missteps as we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of that was stemmed from, and I could be wrong, but I again, I've read a little bit mm -hmm. on it, but it's like when Taylor was young, she signed a X album deal and she didn't own her stuff. And so she kind of got screwed and then Scooter Braun bought that and then she tried to buy it back and whatever. Yeah, and that's not an unusual yeah. thing to happen. You know, it, lots of artists sign away their intellectual property to get a label deal. Yeah. And it generally, in most cases, doesn't, you know, if it doesn't work out for Taylor Swift, yeah. it's not going to work out for most artists. Right, exactly. Either. The most powerful yeah, artists Yeah, it's right not now. just them. Yeah. Like, if you look even farther back in history, the Beatles had a similar issue, you know, and yeah. that's what happened. That's why, like... Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson had beef in the 80s mm. um, due to... Oh, I do remember reading about that. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah like it's happened like to... Like since the beginning, basically, yeah. Since Yeah, if you look back at the whole history of what we think of as the music industry, it, um, it it's based off of very illegal business processes, mm. like the mob. The mob pretty much founded yeah, the business yeah. industry. And then yeah. it makes total sense when you see how it continues yeah, yeah. to maintain. And so that's just, you know, we are in a very turbulent moment in our culture so we're like okay hey, let's let's if we're gonna have all this turbulence let's see what we can remake in the midst of it for sure and I, yeah i love it again it's in my head it's just like the startup incubator idea but a better version for a different industry I love yeah it. exactly so cool. yeah. yeah i mean due to a number of constraints i can't technically call it you know as it, it's a nonprofit, sure. we can't technically call it a business sure sure, but, sure. Yeah, yeah it's not quote, a quote, business quote unquote it's yeah. a but <laughs> I do think it's incredibly important for artists to understand how business works Absolutely, because yeah. yeah, I think part of our issue with our overall culture is that art has been totally um, cut off from the realm of business, yeah. you know, intellect, the way people view things intellectually, at least, um, because there's a whole music business to it. Yeah, what? <laughs> Creators are def or have historically been cut off from that. Yeah. And I think that that's absolute junk 
Yeah. Right. Like, absolutely. so we're just trying to help people understand the process. More. And I think it's important for people like you to step in that you, you do understand the business side of things from running venues and doing mm-hmm. all of that. But it's like an artist, like they might just be really talented that love music. Mm-hmm. Like they, they need to understand business, but like they haven't needed to, or haven't had the chance because they've been so focused on other mm-hmm. stuff to like really dive in. So it's cool that you guys exist to help yeah. with that. Very cool. Um, I was looking at the website and it looks like you have a, I mean, fairly large team, like a lot yep. of roles. How mm-hmm. did all those people come together? Are those just people that were already in the local music scene and are those paid volunteer? What does that look like? Um, I believe everyone that's listed on our website is paid. That is something we are very, um, we have a lot of strong emotions about is especially in the arts. Many people are encouraged to donate the, their time for exposure yeah. and the electric company doesn't care yep. how much exposure <laughs> you get. get. Yep. So we are always very adamant that, you know, if somebody is going to contribute to the process, we should contribute back. Yep. Um, so everybody it is, we have, I believe we're currently sitting at 16 staff members. Um, we're about to grow. We're about to add a few other positions. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be super exciting. But yeah, everybody everybody on the team, it, we pay them for their work. Um, we we have, it's, it takes a lot of effort yeah. to, I mean, essentially what Midtopia is, is a record label, a touring agency, and we also have a management arm. So it takes a large amount of people yeah. to run all of that. And we're really lucky that we have really hardworking smart folks yeah. who want to be yeah. on this crazy path with us. Kind of different specialties. So it's, it is, you yeah. need a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. We have recording engineers. We have a videographer, a project manager um, who makes sure we all maintain our deadlines and get yeah, everything sure. done. Um, we have booking staff. We have social media strategists. We have marketing, a marketing team, a marketing director, a branding manager, director of graphic yeah. design. So yeah. Just a bunch um, of us working together. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the kind of budgeting and kind of walking them through that. Practically, what other kind of steps or aspects of the process are you teaching some of the artists? We are trying to be as transparent with every element as possible. So um, like merch production, like how do you mm-hmm. go about getting merchandise created? Like where do you, how do you find a contact to get t-shirts printed up? How do right. you, how do you get the graphic design to put on the t-shirt? Um, you know, how, what should you sell that for? How, what is the return on those, on each of those shirts? Um, you know, that kind of stuff, just all of those different elements. What does it take to record an album? You know, all of those elements, we're trying to provide as much information as anybody can take in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was listening to a podcast, it's called my first million and they talk about entrepreneur business stuff. Um, but they had a guy named Connor Price on, I don't know if heard him. I think he's like a, I don't know, TikTok star or something. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it's super interesting. So all of his Spotify, he got really big on Spotify. I don't know, like six or seven million mm-hmm. monthly listeners. But the way he got big was doing like these skits on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And then the music will go viral on TikTok and stuff. It's super interesting to think about. But and I don't know if it's even applicable here, really. But it's like an interesting, he thinks of like, I don't know, he's almost like playing to the algorithm more than maybe what he would w- actually want to create, which is, sounds like what they're doing here. But it's just interesting because he can see a spike in Spotify, which is also revenue for him yep. whenever he puts out a video. But he thinks of like the hook first yep. or and all the songs are like two minutes long mm-hmm. strategically for more listens and everything yep. else. But it, it was just kind of interesting to see. And he went into the whatever, the writer versus the masters versus who owns what and all this stuff. And he's independent for a reason because he wants to control all that because yeah. he's like for a lot of people streaming, they won't make money because they are signed to a label and they get, I don't know, 10% of the even revenue, the four cents you get. Exactly. But uh, he gets all of it. So it's like, he's doing really well for himself, but it's kind of interesting to think of like, there's so many things to think about. Yeah. There, it's a very layered, um, business model. I like to refer to it as 3d chess. Yeah, You're having to, you know, 
ensure that you're seeing how all of those different elements are interconnected and working in tandem. Yeah. It's, it's, it can get really intense, but it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was something, I don't know how long ago it was, but uh, at Ladder to Tree Fort. Yeah, we so, did that in March of um, this year, 2023. Yeah, so how did that go? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that is, um, so it's one of our NEVA associates, um, runs the Tree Fort uh, Festival up in Boise, Idaho. Yeah. And a number of our artists had specifically mentioned they wanted to get on that bell. So I was like, okay, well, let's make it happen. That's so cool. Yeah, I, uh, I'm in the kind of the email newsletter game. Mm-hmm. So I send out an email newsletter a few times a week. Um, and there's a local from Boise is the newsletter up there. It's like the Wichita life of Boise. Oh, awesome. And so I, I, I've been in contact with the girl that writes that. But uh, she also works. Her full-time job is working for Tree Fort. So then oh, it, was, awesome. it was so cool to see like when Midtopia was involved with that. And I was emailing her. I'm like, this is so cool. Like this, the con- random connections. And- yeah, it's, it's definitely this kind of stuff. Um, illuminates how small of a world it is. You know, uh, yeah. we, were, we were hoping to make it out. For the two, we weren't able to go on the full tour, you know, because mm-hmm. we had to stay here and like, yeah. you know, helm everything. But we were we were planning on flying out. Yep. Um, our flight got canceled, like as we showed up to the airport, uh, there was no ability to reschedule. So we were really bummed we were able to be there. But fortunately, you know, one of our one of our detour friends was there, and he made sure that all of our bands were taken care of. So cool, yeah, um, yeah. So it is a small world. Um, I love that. But yeah, um, talk a little bit about uh, kind of limiting like i don't know how you view it as like a a class or cohort or you only have a few bands right Mm -hmm. now so can you talk a little about first who they are give them a shout out yeah um but then like how do you decide how many how many is too many how many is not enough that kind of thing yeah well currently we're working with four bands so rudy love and the encore um just people we've worked with um for you know 15 years we actually put rudy out on tour well over 10 years ago, and we're very excited that now we're doing it in a more, yeah. a whole different realm where people can sleep on beds and eat sure. something more than ramen. Yeah. Um, so we have Rudy, we've got Social Cinema, The Caves, Q and them, just all amazing artists, great people. Um, at, this has been our first year, mm-hmm. and so we felt that, you know, four was going to be a good way to get our toes in the water, yeah. figure out our systems, get our processes in place. We are about to start year two. And mm-hmm. at this point, we are hoping to expand our yeah. our roster and our offerings. You know, we are also hoping to, in the next few months, offer, you know, a la carte services yeah. to artists locally and nationally um, to just, you know, for a nominal fee, offer them maybe some time in the studio, some help with marketing, yeah. assistance with distribution. For sure. Um, just really allowing a more um, transparent and easily accessible way to get in on the game yeah do these current bands do they graduate and are they like midtopia alumni then that can then help support and then not quite as involved or how does that work like correct yeah at this point they haven't graduated at this point but yes at some point they will graduate (laughs) out of the program and then theoretically you know they'll have their legs under them a little bit more steadily and then they can if they'd like they can still access those a la carte services and continue to maintain their independence yeah. while still having access to the resources necessary. Amazing, yeah, which is super important. Um, is that, obviously you're still figuring out the process, but is that like, a, I don't know, do you view it as like a year, 18 month, two year program that they quote graduate from or what? Um, we're currently figuring that out as yeah. this first year was such yeah. an exploratory sure, exactly, year. Yeah. yeah, it was just like we were, fi- as nothing like this has happened previously, we were really trying to figure out where where are, are the goalposts yeah. for the artists? What are the expectations from the team members, you know, from the artists? 
So we have we have sort of viewed this previous year as like year zero. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then we now we're really it's like okay now we know what we're doing. Um, These bands were kind enough to let us you know run these experiments with them. Yeah. So yeah, at some point they will graduate in the future. Yeah, sure. Well, it's interesting too because like everyone probably comes with either different experience or different levels of wherever they're at. Because like I don't know, like Rudy for example Mm -hmm. may have been making music for twenty years or something. But there might be somebody that's they've been around for two months yeah. or whatever that looks like. Yeah. 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 And that is part of the fun is figuring out, you know, what are the needs of the different individuals? Yeah. Something I'm always talking about with my team is how are we efficient, mm-hmm. and, but still adaptable? Yeah. So how are we able to, you know, be able to crank things out, but also work with those with different, you know, everybody's yeah. going to have a different set of needs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you mentioned year two is kind of coming up, but what's next for Metopia? Just continue to build on the success yes. so far? Yeah, we are hoping what our goal is, is um, we are going to really institute our learnings from, you know, this first year, year zero, mm-hmm. and apply that in a more systematic way, sure. more systemic, in a systematic fashion. For sure. Um, what did I not ask you about Metopia or the music industry here? I don't know. I can't go on about the music industry all day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's just, I think the overall goal with what everything we're working on with Neva and with Detour and with Midtopia is how can we make this more sustainable? How can we make it more equitable? How can we lessen the exploitation and make it accessible for those who want to participate? Perfect. I love that. Um, I got a few more questions that I've kind of cherry picked from other podcasts, yeah. uh, kind of taking a left turn. But what is something that you often recommend to people? So it could be music or a movie or podcast or book or anything like that. What's something you often recommend to people? Um, I don't know if I have like a source, but I would say be authentic and trust your gut. Mm. Yeah, I love that. No, that's perfect. Um, what is your favorite failure in any aspect of your life? Oh, I love failure. I mean, I say, say I say I love failure. The moment I don't at all. Um, I don't know if it's a failure, but like, I think like COVID, right? Like mm-hmm. COVID could be seen as a failure. Like yeah. It's, yeah. on on the surface, it, is, it was like a monumental financial failure sure. that entire year, right? Um, it, I, it, I hope this doesn't sound callous, but it was the best thing that ever happened to yeah. me. I got to meet my family. All of those relationships that we were able to foster with the development of Neva, those are my people. Those are my best friends. Those are the people who I know if anything happens with any of our entities, I know they have my back. They will help me figure out a path forward. Right. Um, so yeah, without sounding callous to all of the horrible things that happened due to COVID, COVID was my be- the best thing, yeah. best failure ever. <laughs> no, I, I believe, I mean, there's a, definitely a silver lining. I think if you can survive the hard times, like you're going to come out stronger. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, again, you, obviously you probably, most people probably wish the pandemic didn't happen, but it's like yeah. there wouldn't be all these great things if yeah, it hadn't happened. Exactly. So, yeah. Flip side, what is your definition of success? If I can sleep through the night, it's a success. I've, I've done something right. Things are, things are working well if I can sleep all the way through the night. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Even with the, the pillow talk about everything going on at the business. I very so. rarely sleep all the <laughs> yeah. way through the night. <laughs> uh, tell me about a life motto you live by or what is some of the best advice that you've received? Uh, I'm trying to make it podcast friendly. When you work in the music industry, <laughs> you accumulate quite the vocabulary. Uh, go for it. Just go for it. Um, you know, that's something that with all of our entities, it's, you know, let's, let's be aware. Let's be aware of all the ramifications. Um, but if you're going to do something, go do it. Don't second guess yourself. Um, 
just get it done. Put in the hard work. Don't be afraid to sweat. Don't be afraid to, you know, spend an hour crying under the table every day. Just go do it. I need to put that on a poster or something. You got me <laughs> ready to run through a wall over here. Uh, what is a habit that you've developed over the past few years that most improved your life? Um, avoiding procrastination. Just, again, it goes back to that statement. Just do it. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid of the ramifications of making a mistake. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to fail. But then you're going to learn and you're going to be able to do it better the next time. And maybe it won't fail. Maybe you will succeed and maybe amazing things will happen. But don't let that fear of failure stop a person. Agreed. 100%. The last couple are just specifically about Wichita. So what is your favorite part of Wichita or what is a hidden gem in Wichita? Um, this is an unexpected, but our music scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have like a number of us. I have a very nuanced relationship with our community. Right. Sure. But something that never like just the talent that comes out of the city, you know, with no expectations. It blows me away. The kindness of that community, especially like mm -hmm. the um, just the love and compassion. And, you know, I know it doesn't apply to everybody within our music community, but there are a lot of people who are willing to help one another out mm -hmm. and ensure that, you know, we all are helping each other and creating a better um, community for all of us. Yeah, I love that. Um, that just kind of triggered something in my in my mind, but thinking about like just the talent in general in Wichita, not just music, but yeah. all of our talent. It's, it's like, crazy. You, I mean, we have several guys in the pro like NFL mm -hmm. and it's like, I don't know if I think Wichita needs to be better about like recognizing what we have in here, whether it's music or these athletes or like incredible businesses that are here. Like I think people just like go about their day with their blinders on and don't realize like what is here in Wichita. Exactly. I frequently talk when I'm talking to people outside of our community, I just say Wichita has a self-esteem issue. Yes, it really yeah, does. Like yeah. we think we're this like terribly boring place with nothing to do and nobody to talk to. And I think that is true if a person decides to sit on their couch and stare at a screen all day. Then, yeah, exactly. That's the experience you're going to have. But if you go out there and you explore and you meet new people, it's an incredibly exciting hidden gem. I know that um, we've had um, partners come visit Wichita, you know, from other mm -hmm. um, markets. And all of them love it. You know, yeah. they're always amazed at, like, all of the offerings that people that we have for people to access the kindness of our community. It's just, it's a really fun place if a person gets out of their house. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's like people will come from other places and they love it, but it's like the people that are, they grew up here yeah. are like, I got to get out of here. Yep. And then they don't realize what, what it is yeah. until they come back or until they're gone. And they're like, Oh wow, this place kind of sucks. Yep. And, yeah. 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 For sure. Um, is there anything you wish Wichita had that it doesn't, or what would you improve about Wichita? Besides the self-esteem That's issue. it. That's yeah. the main. I mean, I guess I could say like mountains. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do love mountains. I, I love mountains as well. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was out in Taos last weekend and had no time to go hiking. So yeah. I'm a little, I'm really thinking it's about on, on the forefront. Yeah. yeah. I'm really thinking about mountains a lot this week. Um, but yeah, it's that self-esteem. It's just, let's get our stuff together and believe in ourselves and not just complain, but like appreciate what we have. And then if you don't like what's there, do something about it other than just complain. Thank you. Yeah. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> um, last question. What does Wichita mean to you? That's a loaded answer. It's a very loving uphill battle. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of love here. Um, but due to that self-esteem issue, we've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yep. You got to push against it. 
Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for um, having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to share more about Metopia, what you guys are doing. I'll have to come take a tour and yeah, check it out. Yeah, it'd be and great. I'd love that. Share more content. Yeah. Share more of the artists. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. Check us out on social media at Wichita Life ICT or our website, wichitalifeict.com. Huge thanks to Jake B for editing and producing our podcast. Have a good one and we'll see you next time.